three, two, one. Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year. <laughs> and welcome to our season finale of season four. Alongside me today, we have our producer, as always. Hello. New Year, same him. And Adam joins us again. Hello. Not by phone this time. Oh, yeah. A lot of news. First of all, thank you all for listening or uh, engaging otherwise on our decade wrap for the NHL. It was a lot of fun for us, and thank all of our guests that came in as well. But now it's New Year, New Us, and by that I mean Sam Old Sports. So, a lot of news all around the world that we did not get to. We're going to get to it now. Starting with the MLB, I'm going to lead it off with the biggest news of the offseason, that Garrett Cole, the prodigal son, has come home to New York. I think his finger's going to be just good enough for the 28th ring. My hands are off on MLB. I haven't been following it too much because... Uh, I guess if I was a Rockies fan, I'd say the same thing. Yeah, pretty much. The Rockies' only golden glimmer is Nolan Arenado. That's Who's what we got. Who's probably going to get traded. I say doubt. I, I don't know. He The last thought I've been really reading is he really wants to stay in Denver, but if they trade him, they're just going to go full send into the tank train, I guess. I'm not a big speculation guy, but there was a rumor yesterday that the Nationals turned down an offer for Victor Robles with Nolan Arenado. They would not do a one-for-one, which that's interesting. I kind of believe it. When you're dealing big players like that, it's typically never going to be one-for-one. We'll see. There was obviously the Corey Kluber trade as well. Their trade, signing whatever it was to Texas. So it'll be interesting to see how he fares down there. So what's the name for Texas? Lone Star State? Yeah. <laughs> okay, down there in okay Lone there? Star State. Yeah, th- <laughs> listen, it's the new year, first episode back, okay? We'll chalk that up to being a little rusty. There's tons of signings. Um, uh, Strasburg got re-signed by the Nationals. Hunjin Ryu got signed by the Jays. The, oh, yeah, the Jays. Who did Rendon go to? Did he, he signed somewhere else. Uh, uh, the Angels. This one's not a signing, but... Uh, how do you pronounce his name? Herman. Oh, Domingo Herman. Got, got 60, suspended 81, 81 games. games. Which he served 13 of those retroactively, so he'll be out until about mid-May. I mean, th- I mean, that's kind of a moot point, but... Yeah, I think he's a domestic abuse a little bit, yeah, for sure. There was obviously some more minimal signings, but uh, the baseball hot stove is still got a couple more players on it. It'll be interesting to see if the Mets do anything here. Syndergaard's name is always seemingly out there. We'll I feel see. like Syndergaard's been on the trade block for like five years. Yeah, that's fair. But we'll get into that a little bit more next week when we have some more uh, like actual news. For now, though, it's obviously bowl season in the NCAA. As I'm not the expert here, why don't you guys take us away? All right, which bowl games would you like to talk about first? Because I got, I got a couple good ones. Since I'm a homer, I'm going to talk about the Florida-Virginia game. I thought Florida was going to walk in and just completely stop and roll over them. Yeah, That wasn't really the case. P. Ryan rolled over them, but that was essentially it. Kyle Trask didn't play a clean game. And I was a little shocked with how feisty and close Virginia played, especially after they got blown up by Clemson like two weeks before. See, this is the thing that I've seen from Virginia the past few seasons is that they're quietly like a destroyer. Like not not in the sense of they can go in and like beat anybody to a pulp, but they will wreck team seasons so quietly. So I kind of saw Virginia having a good game, but I didn't think that it was going to be as close as it was against this Florida team that's had a quietly really good SEC team this season. But it was – the SEC, I think, is the best conference teams throughout the bowl season because they've gone so far, not including the national championship because it hasn't been played yet, 7-2 and in their bowl games, with the only losses being Auburn to Minnesota – and Mississippi State to, I believe, Louisville. 
Yeah, the Mississippi State one didn't shock me too much. Uh, the Auburn one kind of does a little bit, but Minnesota has been a sneaky good team this year, and I think they're just going to keep going on the upswing for the next couple seasons. I could definitely see Minnesota finishing top 10 in the next few seasons. I don't In the Big Ten, I don't see them really making a big push with Ohio State and Wisconsin and Penn State there, but I think that they're going to be a very respectable team for a while with their coaching staff that they have. Well, the thing is with Minnesota is that they're in the Big Ten West, so the only big teams in the West are Wisconsin and Iowa that they really have to worry about. The other teams are Illinois, Nebraska, Purdue, and Northwestern, and to be frank, none of those teams really scare me except for the, the off day Purdue decides to have a dominant offense, which they have that like twice a year. Yeah. Otherwise, not really concerned about any of those teams. Wisconsin, all I need to do is stop the running game in Iowa. Iowa's a tricky out, but they're beatable. So, real quick, let me ask you a question. What was your biggest shock this bowl season so far? Uh, For uh, me, I, I definitely think I would shock some of them up to Washington absolutely obliterating Boise State. That doesn't really surprise me, though, because... I don't want to sound like that guy, but Boise State doesn't really play anybody. Yeah, they don't play anybody, but this first season removed from them really losing their star quarterback at Washington, that they go up and get into a bowl game for one, and then beat ranked Boise State 38-7 to without really any competition. Or do you think that the biggest shock is Miami getting absolutely shut out by Louisiana Tech? Yeah, I was just about to bring that up. That <laughs> is completely inexcusable. Look, I get it. They've been on a three-game losing streak. They got blown up by Duke, and they lost to Florida International. But it's still Miami. It's still the U. Like, They've been on the downturn the past five years. They had that one season where they really thought that they could make a run for the national championship, and then Clemson smacked them in the face in the ACC. Like, Miami's just been on the downturn. They can't get any recruiting down there for some reason any good recruiting uh, to go with good coaching because they've kind of been underplaying themselves, in my opinion, to what they could be doing. Yeah, it's well known that Florida is a recruiting hotbed, especially like Miami Beach, Palm Beach, Southern Florida. Well, just look at all the teams that you got in Florida alone. You got, obviously, you got the Gators, you got the Seminoles, you got all these teams that are making these recruiting rounds, and it's just, it's hard to get recruiting all the time. Yeah, and Miami's when, at that stage right now where it's it's hard to get players to go there. Yeah, especially, like, UCF's able to poach a couple players. When Lane Kiffin was still at Florida Atlantic, he was able to poach a couple players. And now with Florida really being on the upswing, having a second straight 10-2 and season, New Year's Six Bowl win, they're going to be grabbing a lot of the recruiting in Florida. And then Florida State's still, you know, Florida State's not too far removed from a national championship. And they still have a little bit of that name recognition to pull uh, talent, too. Miami, they haven't been relevant since the 90s. See, with Florida State, they, yeah, you're right. They're not too far removed from their national championship in 2013 with Jameis Winston quarterbacking them. But they, when you go 6-6 six and six and you lose in a bowl game to Arizona State in what was an abysmal offensive show, it, like, it's hard to sell that team now. Like to anybody for a few seasons ago, when they said like going in that they were going to be a contender for a national championship, to this like two or three years later, going six and seven, including their bowl game, there they got a lot of work to do in Florida State, and I believe they just fired their head coach too. Yeah, 
I can't remember his name all the time. I hope he just got removed. I forget his name off the top of my head as well. But when you're trying to replace Jimbo Fisher and what he did, it's kind of hard to come to terms with you have to replace Jimbo Fisher. But the way that that coaching staff tried to act in Florida State, it's pretty pathetic. But before we hop over to more coaching changes, it's like I want to ask you what your thoughts are on the playoff so far and who do you think you're going to see win? The Ohio State and Clemson game was very good, apart from, you know, obviously a few officiating gaffes here and there. But I sort of just had that sneaky feeling that even though I personally felt Ohio State was the better, more well-rounded team, that Clemson was just going to find a way to win it because they always seem to find a way to win. The LSU-Oklahoma game was exactly as I expected. I mean, Joe Burrow had a record-setting performance Seven passing touchdowns, a rushing touchdown. Justin Jefferson had, what was it, three or four touchdowns? Four. Uh, four touchdowns. And they did all this with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire having, like, two touches in the game. Yeah, I think that they made a smart move only giving him limited touches, trying to recover f- still from injury, especially before the national championship on the 13th. But I thought, going into this game, that it was going to be, like, Jalen's time to shine for Oklahoma because I thought he had a very good season, and I always knew that as soon as when he faced the defense, we're going to see the real Jalen. Well, we saw the real Jalen, and I hate to say it, because I love watching him at Bama. I loved what he was doing this season for Oklahoma, but he faced that LSU defense, and when you're going less than 50% completion in a semifinal to go to the national championship, that's, that's too rough to handle. And not only that, but... Remember that this LSU defense was maligned for much of the season for being not good and able to catch up with their offense. See, I think that LSU's defense did exactly what they needed to all season. Yeah, they were a bit plagued with injuries, suspensions, but that coaching staff, I give so much credit to Ed Ogeron. Like, being a Bama fan, I'm glad that Ed Ogeron was the guy to beat Bama. Like, I have a lot of respect for the man. He's a great coach, and I honestly think that your next week for the national championship, you're going to see LSU beat Clemson in what I think is going to be a really great game. Yeah, Dave Aranda is one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. Ever since he came to LSU, you've really seen that coaching staff get legitimacy, and yeah, I'm looking forward to the national championship too. I think it's going to be a good game with LSU winning. What do you think the score is going to be? That, I think, is going to be more interesting. I think if Clemson could keep it close, whether it's their defense holding them in the game or if their offense can go toe-to-toe with Trevor Lawrence backing them up, I think it's going to be a close game, but I'm not sure if it's going to be a low scoring with the defenses holding them in or if it's going to be a battle with quarterbacks. I'm going to go with 42-28. I'm mirroring the LSU-Florida score because this game reminds me a lot of the Florida-LSU game because Florida had a, has a very good defense, but LSU was still able to score a touchdown on them every possession. But here's the thing. Clemson able, actually has... Florida was able to score a touchdown on most of their possessions, too. So it would be 7-7, 14-7-14, 14-21. It would just keep going back and forth. So I think it's going to be something like that, and which offense is going to be the first one to crack, which I think is going to be Clemson. LSU is just going to take it away from there, but it'll still be a high-scoring game. I think you're going to see LSU win the national championship with a score of 35-31. I think it's going to be the case of the defenses can keep them in the game, but it's still going to be the quarterbacks that win it. I think that you're going to see Joe Burrow 
prove that he's going to be the number one overall pick in this upcoming NFL draft, and he's going to lead them with four, maybe all five touchdowns, if my score is correct, that is. And I think you're going to see Trevor Lawrence have a good game, but I think you're going to see him cost it with maybe a pick six or like an interception at the wrong time or a fumble that just ruins the game. Or maybe Clemson's defense just can't keep up. I don't know. But I think LSU's got all that it takes to win this game. LSU's had a record-breaking year. There's been talk of them, if they win the national championship, we could talk about them as being one of the best college football teams of all time. I mean, I could believe it. I could see it happening. NCAA expert here. I'd like to put out a bold prediction that Leonard Fournette will win the Heisman. Incorrect. Okay. One, there is the Heisman Leonard, already got handed out. There is out. another Leonard Fournette. No, Leonard. Leonard Fournette. Leonard. Where is he at? LSU. Really? He's not good. I, I mean. <laughs> Listen, I'm just throwing darts at the wall here, okay? <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, you, you just claim to be an Arizona State did, fan. Uh, did Joe Burrow win? Yeah, he did. Okay. It was pretty big news. Yeah, like what? 47 out of the 50 votes? That, that's all. I didn't see he was, okay. the, he was the highest margin of victory for a Heisman in NCAA history. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. That's the NCAA expert out. Yeah, he's about as much of an NCAA expert you, you, as you, I am, you an MLS more, expert. You would have been more credible if you said Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I have no idea who that is. That's the running back for LSU. If we're ready to move on to NFL, there's a lot of playoff news happening. Uh, we well. might as well stay in football, sure. Okay, the Patriots lost. So on yeah. The, so on behalf of <laughs> the Miami Dolphins organization, we demand a thank you from the entire NFL <laughs> yeah. for denying the Patriots a first-round bye. Oh, what a See, glorious L it was. See, I don't hate the Patriots. I just really like Derrick Henry. <laughs> Can we just talk about how Vrabel used to be a player for them and now he's the coach that beats them? Can I point out that Vrabel used the Belichick tactic against him I by loved doing it. the false start penalties to keep the clock running? I absolutely I love it. loved it. I was watching that game. I'm like, this slide dog is stealing Belichick's loophole, and I love it. I'm gonna, <laughs> he got so mad. The NFL needs to do something about that loophole because there's no reason why. You can just keep taking false starts and take nearly two minutes off the game clock because if you put those two minutes back on the clock when Tom Brady's back on the field, I'm not saying that they win the game. But I'm just saying he's not throwing a pick six on the first play of the drive trying to come back. My favorite loophole, though, would be the holding penalty for a safety that John Harbaugh would do. That's iconic, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to put this out there that um, if I could steal a line from Pat McAfee, Brett Kern last night was for the brand. I saw that line drive punt that pinned the Patriots all the way down at the one-yard line. Coffin. I was watching that punt. I'm like, oh, my God, that was so terrible. I just saw it kept rolling. I'm like... No way. A perfect no way. kick. <laughs> Literally. What won them the game? He had two other kicks like that, but they rolled into the end zone because their gunners were able to get to them. In time. Yeah. So he was playing like that. That, that punt game. was perfect. And I'd like to say one thing. Tony Robo, I challenge you to a fight. How are you going to say on the last drive that the defense shouldn't have run that back for a touchdown? I understand. I'm sorry, but yes, they should have. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. Tactically, sure. No, like not, not in a plausible sense. He said, oh, they should have kept possession and down the ball right there so they can not get a chance to run back the kick. Are you kidding me? Brah, if you're going to be a homer, at least come in a jersey next time. Like, are you kidding me with that? Get like, out of here. Like, I'm throwing it, and I'm going to even bring it back to, like, a little bit of NCAA, just a bit, because it ties in. This reminds me of how, like, Harbaugh was so ticked off that Alabama ran in the last touchdown against Michigan when Alabama 
completed their win against Michigan for the Citrus Bowl. Najee Harris deserved the touchdown, and that's why Nick Saban went against all that he ever did, not running up the score, and gave his man the touchdown. Going back to the NFL, you cannot tell a defense in a situation where you pick off Brady within your own red zone to not run it in for a touchdown. I'm sorry, nobody is gonna do that. No, I'm sorry, but no. Yeah, the Patriots would do the same thing to you. Well, Absolutely. Of course. Every team would do it. I don't know a single player in the NFL that would think in the moment, I just picked off one of the best quarterbacks ever. I'm not going to run it in for a touchdown. I'm going to get on my soapbox and give an OK Boomer moment for this. I'm so tired of, in every sport hearing the don't run the clock, don't run the score kind of thing. Like, why? Stop them. Yeah. It, you know what? If you can't stop them, then they should score. Like, like you know what the best defense is? Like you said, stop them. I don't understand that. Like, you're there to play a game. We're not there to be friends. Yeah, honestly. And even then, it's still a, a close game. Like, yeah, people can argue, oh, they ran up the score at the end. It was a closer game than what the score called. It was still a seven-point game. Well, also, I, like, Tony Arbol's point was allegedly about the tactics to get, like, because they're safer with where they would have been and kneeling it out than they were to get a chance at a kick return. That's false, though. What are the chances that the Titans, who have a really good defense, are going to let that happen? I mean, once again, with the time that they had left, the only chance they had was a kick return. And you saw what they did. They fumbled it. They fumbled it. They could not do anything. They had Edelman lining up on kick and punt return at the end of that game for the first time in such a long time for the Patriots that they basically were in desperate mode of, we need our stars out there to do this lateral like BS that they tried to pull against the end of the Dolphins game when the Dolphins lost. And I mean, beat them. Julian my, Edelman my might be a good receiver. He's not a good kick returner. He's not a good special. Not anymore, any, anyway. At the he, beginning of his career, he was very good at it. But he has, he's been so long removed from it. He's also not he's, quick. He, yeah. Like, you're talking about a guy who's a much more of a, like, a, like a thick receiver who can catch the ball and stay upward. He's not a speed receiver anymore. He's not a burner. Like, what was the point there? Belichick got outcoached. You don't say that very often, but he got outcoached. I wouldn't say that he got outcoached. I would say he got outperformed. I think that the Patriots team this year being one year removed from their Super Bowl, they just are missing something. And it's not just Gronkowski. Like, it's not Gronk, but there's something about this Patriots team this year. Like, yes, they were good. They were obviously 12 and four. Obviously a 12 and four record is nothing to put your nose up in. But like, at the same time, there was just watching this Patriots team. It just felt off. And this is coming from a guy who doesn't really have any NFL allegiance. Like I say that I'm a Tampa Bay fan, but let's be honest. They suck. I'm sorry, Jameis Winston throwing 5,000 yards this year and We're getting get a passing that. title. I'm sorry, he's not a good quarterback. Fight me. I don't care. Well, I think when you throw is, 31 touchdowns and 28 picks, you're not a good quarterback. I don't care how many yards you put up, you're not good. 33 and 30, even worse. I'm I, sorry, but no. The thing when is, you throw <laughs> almost as many picks as you do touchdowns, you're not a good quarterback. I mean, Tom Brady oh, if you're looked Harvey. his age out there, though. No. Like, he looked like he was 42. No, I wouldn't say that. He still looks like he has a you lot of can't make he, that No, no, no. Uh, he, he had one of his worst passing seasons. Now, keeping in mind, the staff around him was basically fans. I mean, he didn't have much around him receiver-wise, blocking-wise. Like, I that team was rough. I would say the worst thing the Patriots had this year was they weren't balanced. Like, if you look at their stats, they're not a balanced team anymore. Like... When you're a team like the Patriots, if you're relying on just Tom Brady to win, you need to have star receivers around your team. While Julian Edelman is not getting any younger. And you have White, you have Sanu, which I think Sanu was very underused this year, even in his limited time playing for the Patriots. But 
you need to have when you have when you have to Sanu when they already had a thick-bodied possession receiver in Edelman because that's the type of receiver Sanu is as well. See, here's the thing: Edelman is so small; they need a taller guy. Well, to mention, I mean, if Ankiel Harry was healthier this year, they probably would have done better. I mean, yeah, they're missing a tight end position, but when I think that they underutilized their running game, I think Sony Michelle should have had more carries. He had like his blocking up front was not good. Like when you look at his stats, Sony Michelle had less than four yards a carry. Burkhead had just over four. And looking at their stat sheet, nobody with any reasonable amount of carries had over four yards a carry. So in the first half of the game, Michelle had 10 carries for 50 yards, and James White had five receptions over 10 yards per reception. And then Josh McDaniels moved away from that in the second half. They didn't score any points. Right, and I was going to say this. Josh McDaniels, all season long, has looked like he has been out of place. I think it's finally going to show what a lot of people thought, which is that he was being hyped up and inflated by the fact that Tom Brady had all these good receivers and he was Tom Brady. He's not Tom Brady anymore. He's still a good quarterback, but he's not hmm. Tom Brady anymore. I would say he's still Tom Brady because if you watch that game, he was making such tight passes. Like, he's making all of these, like, thread and needle passes. Until he threw an interception. Yes, but that's the last play of the game, but hear me out. He had a thread and needle pass in the second half that was almost a 95-yard bomb that was dropped. Almost yeah, he had so many, he had if, so if many if drops. Receiver, if that receiver caught that ball, the Patriots will have won the game. If I had wheels, I'd be a wagon. I mean, you can't blame Tom Brady to a certain extent of because he had so many great passes that his receivers dropped. You can't blame it on a certain aspect to just the quarterback. It's just as much as you can't blame injuries on a team like losing all the time. No, you can't have it both ways. You can't say for a damn decade that Tom Brady is the best quarterback without anybody around him, and then the second he doesn't have anybody around him, you can't say that it's all his receiver's fault. It is not, that is not how this works. You, could, you, could, you cannot blame him for that. I was you could the one blaming him with that. that. You at, absolutely cannot say look that. Look at the Eagles. They're, Nobody's they're, saying Carson Wentz is the GOAT. What, they have a plastic bag as their They had Nelson Aguilar for four seasons. What does that tell you? He's terrible. No, you cannot have it both ways. I'm not having it both ways. I was saying all along he has such a talented core around him when he was winning all of these championships. Right now is something that is so weird of these receivers are NFL caliber receivers dropping big game balls. Like, I'm sorry, but you can't blame it all on Brady at this point. The biggest thing you could blame on Tom Brady at this point is the fact that A, he never can run the ball. There were so many times in this game that I understand Brady took 20 seasons to get over a thousand career yards, but man, when you have 10 seconds sitting in your pocket and you're looking at a third down and three and you don't just run up and get the first down, I'm sorry, move your legs. I'm going <laughs> to the really second can't. point of you can't like the second point of the receivers just dropping the ball. Like, come on, like you can't blame the quarterback on that point where he's throwing it in the only place that he can. You got to just rely on your receivers. And when they don't pull an Edelman catch from the Atlanta Falcons comeback in the Super Bowl, I'm sorry. Like, I get it. That's not going to happen all the time. But when you're throwing the guy right in the hands, right in front of the face mask, that's a catch almost all the time in the NFL. And you're seeing them dropped in the playoffs. Mm, I don't think that's Brady's fault. Blasphemous. The, the and I'll tell you why. Hold, <laughs> hold on. This is blasphemy. And I'll tell you why. Why? Because... Tom Brady, for a decade, has been relied upon to be the water carrier for the NFL. He's been the guy. Oh, he could do this with any team. Guess what? He had his chance. 
He didn't. It's either he is still Tom Brady and he had nobody and he's bad, or he isn't still Tom Brady and that's why he lost. You cannot have it both ways. I will die on this hill. Go ahead, Barker. When you're a very good quarterback, you make the players around you better, but that's only up to a point. There were massive issues with this Patriots roster this year that you just can't overlook. They only had one legitimate receiver. And he's not getting any younger. Backs. And a 43-year-old or 42-year-old quarterback who is not the same player. There's a reason. Obviously he's still he's in the NFL. Not, he could still play, obviously. Obviously, he's not the same player. But at the same time, the gold standard for any quarterback, like touchdown to interception ratio, is 3-1. to one. What did Brady do this year? 24-8. to eight. Can you simplify that for me? That's three to one. Did the guy get over 4,000 passing yards? Absolutely. Did the guy have over a 55% completion percentage? Yes, he had oh, don't 61. Don't lower the bar. Don't lower the bar. I'm saying if you want to compete in the NFL, you got to get a 55. I'm I know not, people say 60 or higher, but the, even then, Brady had almost a 61 percentage. I'm not out here saying Tom Brady's bad. Yeah, you are. You're mishearing You're me. You're saying that he's trash because he's old. I didn't say he's trash. I still think Rewind Tom Brady. Rewind the tape. He said he's bad. I think Tom Brady is at least a top five quarterback still at 42. However, you can't I'm saying my argument with a little less screaming is that you cannot have it both ways. You can't say for an entire decade that Tom Brady is the best quarterback without any regard to people around him, without giving any credit to anybody except for Rob Gronkowski. And that's a damn fact. They didn't give Edelman credit until two or three years ago, like legitimate credit. And then when he finally isn't the same player because he's not Skill-wise, he's diminished. He isn't quite as crisp. He, he's still great. I'd still take him on my team over almost any other quarterback in the NFL. But he has diminished slightly. And you have to say that at this point, Bill Belichick underprepared. He didn't bring in the players that he usually brings in. They got a little too cocky. They didn't. They, they thought that Tom Brady was still going to carry them the entire way. That is underpreparing. And guess what? Tom Brady gets to call the shots there too. We know that's for a fact. He had his quarterback, his backup quarterback run out of town who's now dominating with the 49ers. That's a fact. So don't tell me Tom Brady has no cut in the fight. I, I wouldn't say Jimmy Garoppolo is dominating it with the 49ers. But he's doing pretty darn well. Like, the 49ers okay, team has better he's weapons a, around yeah, him. He's but a glorified the, game man. All right, we're going to get into the game manager conversation no, again. No, we're not. We're not <laughs> going to get into this again. Nick Foles Game managers game are manager legitimate. I, I will give Incorrect, it to you that okay. Tom Brady has... Well, physically really diminished this year. His passer rating is an 88. Last year was a 97. And then the year before that was 102. But at the same time, how but can you argue? However, like, how last, much can you chalk up to the receivers? Time, the last time he had a passer rating this low was 2013. And then the year after he won the Super Bowl. And you can mm. absolutely do it again. And if they give him somebody that isn't a random fan out the street, I'm sure he will. But here's the biggest argument that I see from around the league is, is he going to be in New England next year? Yes. It, yeah, he's not gonna. Are you leave gonna see New that? He's not gonna leave New England. Off but is sticks. it? But is it his choice? Yes. If the owner wants him, then he's staying. And That's he does. Robert he wants Kraft him to be a patriot for life. First of all, not that it would ever come to this. We already know if it came down to Belichick or Brady, they're gonna keep Brady because he's got more tenure. Brady's gonna come back to that organization one way or the other as a coach, as an assistant, as a special helper. He will be with the Patriots for the rest of his career as long as he wants to be. Waterboy Tom the Brady. Only team, I, yeah. <laughs> the only team he could have left the Patriots for was San Francisco, and he can't do that because of Jamie Garoppolo. He can't go back to his That'd hometown. That'd be ironic. He can't go back to his hometown, so it's New England. That's it. There's nowhere else he could go to. I think you're gonna see an interesting like shift up because I think that he's gonna stay. But there's a lot of arguments out there that 
he's not going to be in New England next year because they're not going to want to resign him. I'm like, what, what do you mean? But at the same time, everyone keeps persisting. Oh, he might end up on the Chargers. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I look so around the, the Chargers league. Are, so the Chargers want to let go a 37-year-old Philip Rivers to sign a 43-year-old Tom Brady. Like, that yep. And obviously, Philip Rivers is going to stay because in a couple of years, he's going to coach his entire 17-pack family to come well, play for the well, Chargers not anyways. Only, not only that, but... It's obvious the Chargers are going to draft a quarterback in this draft. They need a mentor for him. Who do you who do you think they're going to draft though? Like where are the Chargers Justin at? Herbert. The Chargers are sixth. They're right after uh, Miami. Do you think a hypothesis here? If Miami passes on Tua Tagovailoa, do you think that the Chargers take a shot? They're on not going to pass on Tua. That's the thing. Is yeah, not we're not pass. passing on. There's Tua. not even a hypothetical. We, we're not, not passing pass on, on Tua. It's essentially confirmed by the coaching staff and the front office and everybody that. We're getting Tua. I'm going to make a hot take right now. Miami should not draft Tua. I'm saying this right now. That might be true. I'm just saying Miami is looking at their offense all wrong. They need to stick with Fitzpatrick and Rosen right now and get a line. They need a line. They need a running back. They need a wide receiver who has hands. And they need a tight end who can block and catch the ball. And before Miami fan over here starts talking, let me explain to you why. You seen Tua Tungabiola's NCAA career at Alabama. He's had a stellar offensive line for his first season and a half. The second half of his sophomore season, he got so injury plagued on the offensive line. And then he takes an injury. And then he's not 100%. And we lose the national championship because he's still not 100%. And then you see him this season. Their offensive line is plagued with penalties, terrible blocking, poorly called plays no offense Sarkeesian I didn't like your play calling this year you didn't do enough jet sweeps you didn't do enough end arounds you didn't utilize we your offense properly the Dolphins never I'm just saying Tua needs a line yes he's a mobile dual threat quarterback Miami doesn't have a line you I put agree. Tua in that system you're going to kill the guy's NFL career I think that if you put him on the right team obviously he's going to be a stellar quarterback but Miami is not that team not yet uh, they need a line first. Even if you draft him and sit him for a season, you need more than one season to get a line. You need two. You need three. You don't have a line to sustain him. I agree. However, the, no, Dolphins, however. <laughs> the Dolphins have three first-round picks this year and two second-round picks this year. We also have two first-round picks next year with two second-round picks. I'm not talking not picks. Only that, and not only that, but look at the free agents. There are offensive linemen in the But NFL. who wants you to have, go to Miami? You have Brandon Scherf, you have Brian Bulaga, you have Ryan Khalil, Kevin Beecham, Spencer Long, Jack Coughlin. But do you have the money? And do you have... Yes. Miami who, has the highest you cap gonna, space in the NFL. I understand they have the highest cap space, but you have to overpay them to come to a god-awful team called Miami. I get it. This you beat the Patriots. Miami team won four out of their last eight games. Because nobody thought they were real. Nobody went to the 49ers a couple of years ago, and then they started to go. And now the 49ers are good. This team beat the New England Patriots with trash bags on the (laughs) offense and defense. Because they didn't take them seriously. This was an XFL roster. Most of these players aren't going to be starting anywhere else. And Miami still won with them. Brian Flores has the buy-in from his players, from the front office, from ownership. I'm just saying that you can't. And that's how you're going to bring in free agents. Not only that, but you don't have an income tax in Florida. I'm just saying you cannot have an offensive line of two veterans, even if hypothetically you get whatever guys you want. Say that out of all of these offensive linemen free agents, you get two. You can't say that you're going to have two veterans 
three pieces of trash or two veterans and two rookies and a piece of trash on your offensive line trying to protect who is some people say, I'm not necessarily saying this, I would like to believe it, but that Tua is the next great quarterback. I'm like, yeah, he's great, but I don't think he's going to be that great, at least right away. But you cannot tell me that you're going to try to protect this guy with a bum hip and two ankles made of glass, apparently, fluke injuries on all three. But you can't tell me that you're going to protect him with two veterans who go to free agency and somehow end up in Miami and two rookies and maybe a trash can. Like, you can't. I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a second. But first, can I just say, going back to your original point, that you think they should pass on Tua? I think they should. That'll be the first pass they completed this season. But here's the thing. You're looking at this all wrong. Yes, they need an O-line. And yes, they need people to buy in. But it's not that hard in the world of sports. Because, let's not forget, regardless of how bad the Dolphins were this year, they are still an NFL franchise. They still have... A story history that people will buy new. They still have hometown people, and they still have a lot of cap. And guess what? The best conversation starter is money. If you can get just a couple guys to buy in, you'll be fine. Not to mention, even though Tua Tagovailoa is not the chosen one. I've seen him play. I don't think he's really anything that special. I think he's a good quarterback. I don't think he's a great quarterback. I think he's got all the fundamentals to be a mid-pack 11-12 quarterback in the NFL, personally. I'm not a big college guy. I'm a big fundamentals guy, though. That said, I think he's perfect for Miami, just not this year. Draft him and sit him. You don't play him if you get him. You let him sit behind, fully recover from that injury, get an NFL reps with your team and with your practice squad, and then you bring him in for games where you think you're not going to let him die. Very simple. Yeah, the Chiefs did that with Pat Mahomes, and look how that turned out. Literally. I I still... And not only I don't think that Miami's going to have any success with him. My point is that if you see a quarterback that you think is a franchise quarterback that you think is going to be good for the next 10, 15 years, get him. Unless his name is Ryan Leaf. Get him. I mean, if you see a quarterback, get him. You're not going to win in the NFL if you don't have a quarterback. That is true. You can't market to your fan base and sell them hope if you don't have a quarterback. But look, what about the Titans? They have Ryan Tannehill. He's not really that good. Look at their quarterback situation at Tennessee with the Titans. They're literally having a season backpacked by Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill's a good but not great quarterback. Exactly. They have a quarterback who's not stellar, who's borderline. Like, honestly, the defense beat the Patriots in that game. It was not Ryan Tannehill. I watched that game, and Ryan Tannehill did not impress me in any way, shape, or form. You want to know who did impress me? Derrick Henry facing off that defensive front four for New England and still somehow busting off five yards of carry when the guy's getting hit before the line of scrimmage. Well, I'm gonna, like, sorry, Ryan Tannehill is not a good quarterback. And if you're going to say that you can't win without a good quarterback, I'm sorry. You need a good offensive line and you need a running back and you need a quarterback who can somehow bust off a five-yard pass on a slant somehow. All those things are false, and I'll tell you why. Incorrect. You don't need anything in the NFL. What you do need is marketability, like Parker said. Usually the quarterback's the best place to go to get your fans sold on something, but Le'Veon Bell is the star of the Jets. I would say that the defense is just the star of the 49ers and the Vikings. Who cares about Kirk Cousins, right? Fair. However, if you get a serviceable quarterback and a serviceable running back, which are both very attainable with five picks in the first 40-some picks, 60-some picks, that's an attainable goal. And you just need to sell them on something, whether that's false hope or a false prophecy. Just until you actually get something going, you can make signings. There's plenty of things you can do to get your fan base on and to get your team better. I don't think you need to have one guy or one position do something for you. That's just me. Quarterback's a difference maker in winning a Super Bowl, regardless of how you build your team. I don't know. I'll agree to disagree. I I agree to a certain extent, because if you look at a couple past Super Bowls, yeah, there have been some great quarterback 
performances. But even at the same time, look at the Seahawks and the Broncos from Super Bowl 50. Like Peyton Manning, one of the best quarterbacks of all time, didn't win that game. It was the Broncos' defense. Like if I yeah. remember correctly, it was twenty to fourteen or something like that. I don't I don't remember off the top of my head. I wasn't huge in the NFL back then, but I know that the Broncos defense won that game for them. Like you don't need a stellar offense to win. You just need your defense to play to the ability of the other team's offense and keep you in it, much like the Titans did last night. I'm not saying that the Titans are gonna win the Super Bowl, but I'm saying that if anyone's gonna have a chance to beat Baltimore, you need a good defense. Titans have that. So very quickly, just want to go around because we're going to turn to move to the NHL next. Super Bowl predictions. Saints-Ravens. Saints win. Interesting. I, too, think that it's going to be the Saints. And quite frankly, I don't think I have an AFC team, but I'm actually going to go Saints-Ravens, too, because I think Lamar Jackson's elite. I'm going to go Ravens, yeah. I'm going to go against the grain here. I think it's going to be Titans-Green Bay. Oh, interesting. Titans and Green Bay. Green Bay wins. Does anybody really win in that scenario? Green Bay? Yes. Get out of here with that. You mean Green Aaron Bay's 13-3. and three. Yeah, okay. We're going to say that Aaron Rodgers is the only guy playing offense in that team after you just got over a rant saying that Tom Brady was the only guy playing that game. All right. <laughs> We're not playing it. It, it doesn't We're not work playing both, both ways, si- It doesn't work both ways. <laughs> you got to slam the table. I'm going to slam the table with your head if you don't stop. <laughs> um, okay. All right, so we won't provoke violence on this show. We'll revisit that. <laughs> NHL. Not something completely different. Top of the show. This week. Wait, no. When's the All-Star game? Who cares? I don't know. The week of the All-Star game. We I haven't f- liked the All-Star game since they moved away from I East I haven't West. liked the All-Star game since John Scott. And that okay, was the only All-Star settle game. settle down. The week of the All-Star game, we're going <laughs> to find out the name of the Seattle team. Are you excited? Ooh. Seattle Totems. You heard it here. I Seattle Renegades. I honestly don't like any of the names that they suggested, so whatever. As long <laughs> as it's not the Totems, because that is stupid. But we are going to find out. They had a couple registered names. I'm very excited to find out who they go with. What are some of the registered names again? Because So I actually make a pick, because I kind of like Renegades, but I forget the entire list. Give me one. Someone, someone here is a Sticks fan. I just remember the first time I heard the name suggested, I didn't like any of them really. But so, Renegades is the only thing that sounds like an NHL team. Like Totem sounds like an ECHL team. I'm sorry, not sorry. So I'm going to give you the names. You give me the yay or nay, okay? Okay. Seattle Totems. No. Yay. Emeralds. No. No. Rainiers. No. Yes. The Sockeyes. No. Which no. is apparently the leading pick. The Renegades. No. Yeah. The Sea Lions. Okay. No. The Seals. No. The Evergreens. Yes. Maybe. The Whales. No. The Cougars. No. Yeah. The Eagles. No. And the Firebirds. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> They're, They're all st- terrible. <laughs> there are no stellar team names there. The like Firebirds. I, I know that I'm a dumb music guy. I like the St. Louis. Bl- I like the St. Louis Blues name for like the the city of oh, St. Louis show. Blues history. The, I don't understand why Utah Seattle Jazz. doesn't go. I don't. Yeah, I like that name, but anyway, I don't understand why Seattle doesn't go with their music history and just be like the Seattle grunge of the Seattle grunge movement of the 90s. I think that that would be a really gritty team name. I suggested that team to you. Don't you dare pump your fist at me. I've had one for a couple years now. Listen to me. What does Seattle have, water-wise? The sound, right? Yeah. What are you doing in hockey? You check. Seattle sound checkers. I mean... How is it not a name? Listen, Gary! (laughs) I'm saying, pick it! (laughs) I mean, I think that if you go with the city's history, their recent history is the Seattle grunge movement in the 1990s. It's a very gritty sounding name for a gritty hockey team. If they're not going to go for that, whatever, don't pick the grunge. But I don't like All right, babe, don't whatever. Down. 
the, I'm not going to get art into the this. The Seattle but okay. Allison Chains. That. That's not even pluralized, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Why don't we just call them the Seattle, Seattle Nirvanas? Ooh, I don't the know. The Seattle Soundgardens. Trademarks. They would need to get trademarks uh, on that one. You just got a copyright strike three times in one minute. How does that make you feel? <laughs> we'll fix it in post. Speaking of yelling, John Tortorella got fined forty thousand dollars potentially. He got fined twenty grand with an additional twenty five if he acts up again in the next calendar year. Thoughts? Wait, is this because he was cursing out refs referees? Yep. <laughs> yep. Let's just I I say let the man be mad all he wants. He has the money to afford it. He was right. If the referee wasn't terrible at his job, they wouldn't have had a goalie get injured and they would have lost. Yeah, so the thing is, is that what? They they were supposed to have like an extra second on the clock and they scored a goal like after it hit zero? Something like that. And then they went to the shootout and Jonas Krupisalo pulled his hamstring. He's out for a couple weeks, two to six weeks. They're without a goalie. They lose the game. He's right. You know what? If you want to... I'm going to give you guys a little insider trading here. If you want to have a good sport... Make your roughs available for comment. It's simple. Every other sport, there's a union and there's comments. You can ask the NFL, hey, hey, you you like you messed up at this game. Why did you make the call? The MLB, they have an umpire association. Every level of soccer has the referees union. Why are we not allowed to talk to West McCauley and uh, others? Just because we can't think of refs' names. Just, like, <laughs> Just because there's one good ref. I don't understand. And that's West McCauley. Like, they need to have more accountability. And I think that having a refs association like that for the NHL would bring that forth because like this is Sunday right now. And last night I was listening to the Colorado avalanche game against New Jersey devils. And I was listening to the devil's feed because they didn't have the altitude feed on whatever. And I heard these refs talking about the Belmar goal that they scored. And if you don't know the story, Blackwood was going to play the puck behind the net and Calvert was trying to go around the net and try to get in front of him. Well, Calvert's skate caught the back of Blackwood and Blackwood went down and Belmar had a wide open net. Well, the announcers through the Devils are saying that's blatant goaltender interference. He just made it look inadvertent and the refs went and they called it and they said inadvertent goaltender interference. The goal still stands. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to need to check it this later. And I watched it. And I'm like, yeah, that kind of looks inadvertent. Calvert really didn't do anything. But at the same time, you don't have a refs association to say, hey, this is what we looked at. This is what we saw. And this is why we called it this way. In every other league, even the NCAA has that when they had the whole fumble thing for the Ohio State Clemson game, which in my opinion was not a fumble. I agree with the call. But anyway, fight me on it. But I think that they need more accountability and having a setup like that would bring it. That's fair. Something's got to be done. Because I even think going back to like the Ed Jovanovsky hit on the referee, I actually don't know who it was. But like, think about what a referee would have done with that. Instead of having to take that to court, they could have settled that with the NHL. There are a handful of referees that are legitimately decent. It's Wes McCauley, Francois Chiron. That's it. And others. <laughs> That's literally it, because the rest of them are just so bad. I wouldn't say that they're all terrible. I think a lot of them are inconsistent. And that's what we have in the NHL right now. No, the it's problem like, is they're consistently bad. That's the problem. Agree to disagree, but anyway. I don't know. I think that something needs to change in the officiating in the NHL. I understand they're trying to like get some rule changes to clean up the game, but at the same time, you need refs who understand the rule changes that you want. Because like going back to that Devils goal that Colorado had with Blackwood being completely knocked out behind the net, like I understood what the, the New Jersey commentators were saying of, hey, if you allow this, Players are just going to do it all the time behind the net. I'm like, 
I mean, you're opening up a can of worms for that if you're going to allow that goal. Do I think it should have been a goal? Yeah. Do I understand why they could have potentially called it no goal? Absolutely. But there has to be a fine line that they understand penalties and understand their own rules. And I think that the NHL refs kind of have their hands in the air of, well, I don't know what the heck we're doing. We're just going to call it. And if we called it a goal the first time and we don't understand, we're just going to keep it a goal. That's pretty much what they're doing. I like some of the rule changes that they're implementing, like coaches challenging for goaltender interference, offside, something like that. But at the same time, there needs to be a limit because New Jersey not only got a smack in the face saying that it was a goal, they got a two-minute penalty for delay a game and then Wayne Simmons got a game misconduct for mouthing off to the ref and he got thrown out of the game and I'm just sitting in my car laughing at this I'm like not only do you give up a goal you get smacked in the face with a penalty and you get smacked in the face a second time with Wayne Simmons getting thrown out I'm like sorry you can't be doing that <laughs> on both sides one Wayne Simmons shouldn't have got thrown out of the game but two he shouldn't have been mouthing off like that but whatever you are not wrong before we leave off the NHL we're about midway through the season so we're going to play a little game here. We're going to play real or not. I'm going to ask you guys about a couple of players and a couple of teams, and I want you to tell me if they're for real or if they're, if they're not, okay? Starting with my personal favorite of the season, Mackenzie Blackwood. He's currently holding a 247 GAA and a 914 for the team that is allegedly known as the Devils. Real or not? Not real. Not yet. Mm, it's, it's hard to say. I, I'm going to say... I'm going to say he's for real, but he has no team around him. He's hung up the dry all the time. I think he could be real in the future, but right now I think it's too soon to say. Okay. Darcy Kepper for Vesna, real or not? Not. Not. That was John Carlson for Norris. Not. Real. Brian Ruff, 70-point season, real or not? Real. Not real. Real. The guy's got 34 right now, right? No. 35. 35? Yeah, he's real. With all the injuries Pittsburgh has, there's if he stays first line for some reason with all these injuries, absolutely he's getting 70 points. Oddly enough, Pittsburgh Penguins, real or not? Somehow real. Real. I don't understand with how many injuries oh, gee, that they've they had. Like, oh, oh, they only have like, what, four superstars? And they're I, all out. Yeah. The only one who's healthy, at least at this stage of the season, is Malkin. Gensel's uh, out for the rest of the season. Crosby's still out. Chris Letang's been in and out. Murray's been a joke on net. I mean, like, somehow still, with basically a glorified Wilkes-Barre-Scranton Penguins team, the Pittsburgh Penguins are 12-2-1 since December 1st. Well, the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton Penguins team are consistently one of the best AHL teams. So, I got five they're kind of so tied right now with the Hershey Bears, so let's settle it down. Jonathan Quick, comeback campaign, real or not? Real. Not real. He hasn't had a team around him. The guy's a good goalie. He hasn't had a team around him, just he, like he Mackenzie carry, Blackwood. He can't carry the team by himself anymore. Well, Dylan, he never could in the first place, but anyway. Uh, playoffs disagree with you, but okay. Dylan Larkin's patience, real or not? Somehow real. real. Okay. I got three more for you. The St. Louis Blues, real or not? Real. Not real. Ooh. There's something that. weird with this St. Louis team that just is off from their Stanley Cup push from last year. I don't see them making a big push. I see them getting knocked out first round in the playoffs. Okay, two more. Kale McCarr's Calder campaign, real or not? I think that it's real, but he's not getting it. I think Olofsson is going to get it. Real, but I also don't think he's going to get it. Do I think he deserves it? Absolutely. All right. oh, okay, Mr. Abs. The guy put up 30 points Moving faster on. than any rookie since Nick Lidstrom at defense. It was a pretty simple question. <laughs> Alexis Lafreniere, first overall pick, ready, real or not? Real. real. And bonus one. The Seattle Totems, real or not? Real. No. Okay. I hope not. That's what we call real or not. Congrats, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> as far as Andrew goes, the All-Star game is upcoming. We said that last time. 
Can't wait to not watch it. It's going to be great. I'm going to watch the skills competition. That's about it. How about this? Instead of giving us the All-Star game, why don't you give us the World Cup of Hockey or the Olympics again, Gary? Please. I miss seeing, like, imagine how dominant this Team Canada would be with, theoretically, if they move some to wing as opposed to center, a top line of McDavid, McKinnon, and Crosby for Canada. That's just insane. Who's been the biggest surprise for you in the NHL? Biggest surprise? You can be a homer because I'm going to be a homer. I'm going to say one homer and one not homer once we go around and say our homer picks. I'm going to say McKinnon carrying this avalanche team amidst all the injuries. He's proving that he is like tier one level talent with Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, and so forth and so on, whoever you want to put up on tier one. Okay. Parker, how about you? I'm surprised with how poorly everyone's playing on the Lightning. I was gonna, I, I feel you're going to say that. They're finally starting what? to look like the Lightning, though. They have six wins in a row right now. They're finally starting to look like the Lightning. but uh, We'll see how long that lasts. I mean, Vasilevsky yeah. not playing so high doesn't really surprise me too much. He's always really been a product of the team around him. I've never really felt he's been that good. I mean, I think he's a good goaltender, but I don't think he's like a Vesna guy. For the NHL, uh, I'd have to say... John Carlson's emergence has really surprised me. He was never really much of a... I don't really recall him being an offensive defenseman. Aside from assists, really. Yeah. yeah. He, he's an assist master, but goals. Yeah, but so is Victor Hedman. Fair. How about your NHL pick? My NHL pick as an overall team is how the heck is Pittsburgh alive? Like, That's with fair. all the injuries that they've had, I can't pick them as my... I, I cannot not pick them as my biggest surprise Wait, if we're for going a with, team. If we're going with teams, what about the... Arizona Coyotes. That's uh, I knew that um, they were going to be decent. They made some moves, but I didn't think that they'd yeah, play this they play this ball. Yeah, but they suddenly got Taylor Hall and Phil Kessel. Okay, um, that's pretty spooky. I mean, um, not really, because that's their I mean, team. They got a second line head up by Carl Soderberg, and I'm sorry, I liked Soderberg when he played for Colorado, but the guy was a third liner for a reason. Personally, if I had to give a homework back to Tristan Jerry, being elite is pretty nice. He's backpacking your team hey, to really, somehow really being 12-2-1. I don't get it. For the NHL, my biggest surprise is probably how badly the rookies are doing. Capocacco and Jack Hughes have a combined like 30 points. It's been a really poor. Yeah, last season. night, last night I was looking at the rookie stats. Both Jack Hughes and Capocacco had 16 points each. There are three defensemen on pace to pass them: Kale McCarr, Quinn yep. Hughes, and John Marino. Well, considering Kale McCarr after the game last night has double the points, he yeah. has the same amount of points right now of the season that Kako and Hughes do combined. Yeah, like, Quinn, like Hughes. Quinn Hughes is doing better than his brother, and his brother was projected to have like 70 points this year. I mean, listen, it's not a knock against them. We've said this before, but like Quinn Hughes on pace to have a great season. John Marino is going to pass them. My subtle, like, really surprised pick is this Olufsen guy for Buffalo. I'm like, who the heck is this guy? Can you please let me know? Because I Victor didn't know Olsen, the guy's he name. Was supposed to, they call him Golison, and he's lived up to his name. Coming into the season, he had eight goals. All eight were on the power play. Nice. <laughs> nice. Dominic Kubalik has surprised me a little bit. He's got the potential. I mean, what's it with all these rookies or all these young players from Chicago being really good? It's almost like playing with Patrick Kane. It's fun. It's almost like Stan Bowman's a good GM. Can I give another Homer pick really quick? No. Ah. Uh, Disallowed. I'm going to anyway. Pavel Francouz, or however you want to pronounce it, actually being an NHL goaltender. False. He, he, Please he, look at his stats. He, he can't even pronounce his own player's name. True. Nobody knows how to pronounce his name. It's a Czech, it's a Czech name who that looks like Francois, but it's not Francois. It has a Z at the end. It looks really weird. I've heard Francouz. I've heard Francouz. I've heard everything except the right thing, apparently. We're going to get into hockey more next week. Woo! A couple more things. Wanted to quickly touch upon the Premier League. Jose Marino's Tottenham's boss. 
this is only going to end one way. It's in a glorious fire. I'm excited. Harry Kane's out for a couple months. Parker, you have any takes on Croatia? <laughs> They're Croatia. World Cup semifinals. Okay. And Adam here is a newly minted Everton fan. Yeah, I said that I was a Bayern Munich fan, and then I'm like, I don't follow soccer enough, so I'm just going to follow a Premier League team, and I just randomly picked Everton. The Toffees will be happy to have you. I know they're not good. <laughs> I like Bayern and Juventus, but I don't really follow them. And mostly I just follow them because they one of them had a bunch of players that I like. But I don't even know if they're still with them anymore. That was like five years ago. Yeah. Uh, I know you like Mandzukic. He's still around. Is he still with Juventus? Yeah, uh, yeah. actually, a funny story in FIFA, they're not called Juventus. They lost the naming rights to their Piemonte Calcao. I was so confused <laughs> when I went to go play a friendly game with you, and you probably remember, but I'm going to say it anyway for Parker, is we were going to play Italian leagues, and I was going to pick one team. I'm like, I'm surprised you're not playing Juventus. Like, I and, Juventus. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> That's not Juventus. Yeah. Real quickly, just to wrap the show. Give me your boldest prediction. For in, what? In sports this year. For 2020? Mm. For 2020. It could be anything. 2020. Wow, guys, you could have come a little prepared. Well, you, oh, wow. so you could like, have told me you were going to ask this, oh, so oh, I could have wow. prepared so it. Like, we have like five leagues to choose from. Listen. I'm listening. All right, I'll lead it off. Yankees are going to win the World Series, and Garrett Cole is going to win the Cy that, Young. That's not a hot take, except that, the Garrett Cole. I didn't thing. say it had to be a hot take. Just, just, you know, just a take. Oh, like just a, a lukewarm take. take. A lukewarm take. Okay, my lukewarm take is that Colorado's winning the Stanley Cup. Okay, that's fair. All your teams suck, Parker. Pick one. The Florida Gators make the College Football Playoff next year. That's probably your safest. They goal. have to get by Bama. I don't believe it, but no. They have to if get anyone by, in the no, SEC have, is no, going to do it, they have to get it. by LSU now. That's fair. Well, they're not going to have Burrow next year. Who's their backup? Like, they said the same thing when, like, when Jalen left. I mean, they got Tua. Who's their backup? Well, Mac Jones proved to be competent, so. They need to play Talia. I think, all right, yeah, Talia Tungabayola is Tua's brother. um, They're Hawaiian. But anyway, (laughs) here's a hot take, though. Talia Tungabayola is never going to start a college game at Alabama. It's going to be Bryce Young. If Mac Jones stumbles a little bit, true freshman coming into Alabama next year, Bryce Young is going to pull a Tua and steal the starting job. The man just got MVP honors for the All-American Bowl, and the guy is scary good on tape, even more so than Tua. That's my hot take, is that if Mac Jones stumbles at all for Alabama next season, Bryce Young is going to win them the national championship. And people are going to hate me for it. Uh Uh-huh. All right, Homer. And one last thing, just for my take on college sports, because the only thing I follow is college baseball, really. Vanderbilt's going to win. Vanderbilt has a good baseball team. They have the best baseball team, but you fight me on this. I mean, I mean that's like saying that UConn's women's basketball team is going to make the Final Four. It's, it's just a that's given. Like, come on. <laughs> They're going to lose to Florida, because Florida has a good baseball team, too. False. So. I mean, um, Alabama has a good softball team. I know that. Okay, that's our show. <laughs> All right, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thank Woo! you for coming back to the new year.